Hello, Yogi. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Aiko, and on this show, we explore ways to put spiritual theory into sustainable practice. And welcome, Cham, again. We are in this very exciting episode where we're going to start speaking about Ashtanga Yoga. Yes, it's, it's exciting indeed. This is a very famous uh, term, Ashtanga Yoga. And here is the here is where it comes from. This is the the origin. Okay, so let's get started right away. Would you like to read the sutras? Yes. So today we will read four sutras. So I will read them one after the other. Sanskrit translation, Sanskrit translation, and so on. And then we will discuss after. Yo ganganushtanad ashudhi kshaye jnana diptir aviveka kyate. Upon the destruction of impurities as a result of the practice of yoga, the lamp of knowledge arises. This culminates in discriminative discernment. Yama niyama sana pranayama pratyahara dharana dhyana samadhayo stav angani. The eight limbs are abstentions, observances, posture, breath control, Disengagement of the senses, concentration, meditation, and absorption. Ahingsa satyasteya, brahmacharya parigraha yamaha. The yamas are nonviolence, truthfulness, refrainment from stealing, celibacy, and renunciation of unnecessary possessions. Jati desha kala. Samayana vachinaha sarvabhoma mahavratam. These yamas are considered the great vow. They are not exempted by one's class, place, time, or circumstance. They are universal. So in text 28, Patanjali explained it by going through the eight limbs of yoga, the Ashtanga. Ashta means eight, and Anga means limbs. Um, one will arrive at discernment, and then he lists the eight Angas, and then he elaborates on the first Anga, which is Yama, which in itself has five different parts, and those are the parts we will discuss in this episode. Often people think that yoga is just, or mainly, the asana the poses exercise but actually to think about what is behind ashtanga yoga the meaning of it and the yoga philosophy that's very important and this is why in these ancient scriptures all these things are mentioned and very little if nothing about the asana in itself yes uh Actually, when it comes to the asana section in some sutras from here, there's asanas are discussed in two or three sutras. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not saying that all the asanas are not yoga. This absolutely not. But uh, what I mean by saying this is just that it's actually very, very important to know this Ashtanga Yoga and the meaning behind and what are the roots of yoga and why we are doing it. Yes, the commentators here are laying stress on this, that there is this order of the 
angas of yoga, like that it begins with yama and then niyama, then pranayama, etc. And they emphasize that if you don't have like one step in place, then you cannot uh, go, go just go to the next step. It's the kind of the ladder uh, is in a certain order, and like you have to begin at the bottom and go up to the top. So um, the bottom rung of the ladder is these uh, are these abstentions. So they are called in Sanskrit ahimsa, satya, asteya, brahmacharya, aparigraha, and the translations for them. Um, or roughly, uh, no violence, uh, truthfulness, no stealing, no sex, no acquisition or desire to acquire. So this is a very tall order. And Patanjali says that these are non-negotiable. He says that in, in, the, in the sutra that follows the listing of these five, he says that they are for everyone, no matter the class, time, place, or circumstance, not meaning that no one is allowed to engage in any of these. It's just that if you are, if you want to follow this path of Ashtanga Yoga, then these uh, things are non-negotiable. And while that may sound uh, very rigid, there is some, there is still some kind of flexibility within that. It means that these these principles are non-negotiable, but the way that they are. Uh, they are practiced, may have some flexibility to them. For example, Ahimsa is listed first because it is the most important. So then if following other parts of uh, these Yamas would uh, compromise Ahimsa, then, then they cannot be followed. So for example, if you see someone running away from someone else who is chasing them with a knife, and the guy with the knife comes up to you and asks uh, like which direction they uh, they ran and you tell them oh yeah they ran in, in that direction because you want to f- follow this principle of truthfulness then that is going to lead to violence and and therefore that is not considered actual truthfulness so so that is one example of how one needs to consider all these uh, uh, in this kind of flexible way with and with non-violence as the kind of guiding star and we could spo- speak for very long about Ahimsa and the understanding of Ahimsa because if you say just non-violence, many people might understand it in a different way. So maybe we can say what Edwin Bryan wrote in his book and what is our understanding of non-violence. Yeah, so he, uh, Edwin Bryant... Uh, emphasizes very much, and of course, following the commentators, uh, emphasizes uh, vegetarianism, which is just a very kind of very basic principle of of nonviolence to not kind of eat <laughs> eat of eat the flesh from other beings, killing others for your own survival. Uh, that is like the very uh, basic principle. Then, of course, that can be re- uh, refined further to, to kind of try as far as possible, not not to kill kill, an, kill any, uh, like, for example, killing insects, which, of course, one may accidentally do, and 
of course the the principle is to not do it on purpose or with malice then there are also like levels of or dimensions of violence there is physical violence there is mental violence there is violent speech so like even kind of thinking ill of others or speak bad of others is also uh, considered violence and of course we are not condemning anyone who is eating meat or fish or thinking bad about someone else but it's good to think about it like if you think something bad about someone who mistreated you or whatever you should just reflect about your your anger your angry thoughts and things like this because these are also in a sense violence mm. yeah so, so then we have satya as i mentioned a minute ago about uh, like truthfulness so as we said if uh, one should be truthful but not in a way that is that is violent and of course like for example one can say the truth about others but in a way that is hurtful or one can do it in a way that is non-violent yeah so like the difference between constructive criticism and kind of just criticism out of spite for example and of course we should also think about being true to ourselves to our values often we don't even realize it's not so easy to realize that sometimes we are just not truthful to our values uh, sometimes we might just think oh i want oh i think this is right and uh, this is wrong and then you just do the opposite yourself so it's important to be truth truthful also towards ourselves yeah this is uh and it's also like goes into this kind of body mind and speech it's like to speak truthfully also to act truthfully and and like you said according to our values which is kind of our the kind of the truth of our mental truthfulness and uh, the third one is asteya so no stealing this one is uh, of course very obvious uh, i think uh, no one would kind of object to this like no one or at least no one would kind of openly object to this <laughs> and, and maybe that's why it's uh, brought up maybe it's it's kind of a more subtle stealing that it's talking about uh, commentators even brought up like not taking things even if we find them if someone has like just lost them even then we shouldn't take them just because uh, taking someone else's property is, is, is stealing as patanjali said there are no exceptions no matter what class you come from what time it is what place you're in or what cir circumstance you're in it is never right to steal so here the question about robin hood comes <laughs> 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 that's a very good one yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like for example if if telling the truth would, le would lead to violence it's not actually uh, really following the principle of satya like we said then also stealing for example if like let's say you uh, someone needs a band-aid uh, very fast and you don't have one on you so you kind of run and steal it or something <laughs> What if someone is starving and then walk through a shop and they have no money and they are poor and they're just gonna steal a 
very small little apple to go through the day. <laughs> yeah, now this is where it becomes difficult. Like, should you beg instead of stealing, mm. um, for example? Or is it at some? Is it in some circumstances okay? Yeah, but but like we said, with this one, it is you know. So there is some kind of like. On, in principle, it's yeah, not. If it becomes untruthful and if it becomes violence, then that's the circumstances where. Mm. Yeah. So maybe starvation is violence, actually. Yeah, like letting someone starve. If like if you're letting someone starve just to avoid stealing. Um. Then, if if we see if if allowing someone to starve would be would be counted as as violence then stealing to feed them would uh would not break the the yama of asteya asteya yeah and also i think like in this specific circumstance as you mentioned before if someone would go and beg and just say I don't have food and for today probably hopefully the owner will give more than just an apple yeah then we have a very good one the next one brahmacharya no sex yeah this is this must be the toughest one like if if no stealing is like the easiest one to to accept then probably this one is the hardest one to accept and it would actually be very rare for uh, like a modern yogi to actually be following this, uh, especially because it's also counts the the subtle, like 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 thinking of sex or speaking of sex. So it's um, th- like this is actually a path. Like Ashtanga Yoga is like originally a path that is meant for ascetics, meaning people who leave the world to dedicate themselves fully to yoga and and as time goes on uh, like those these ideas like the ideas from the yoga sutras are going to be you know planted elsewhere i mean they have been planted elsewhere uh, outside of their original context for example they have come to modern cities like new york or uh, paris or stockholm where following principles like this is not going to be very easy uh, yeah and and uh, as as um, as you were mentioning uh, in, in another talk we had that um, uh, since each of these yamas need to respect the other ones so for example attempting to become totally celibate when one is not able to would actually break the satya principle the honesty and truthfulness principle yeah to oneself yeah and so there therefore there there is like there is room for like kind of like like modifying one's sex life that it's not like exaggerated or in in a way that one can can respect all the others uh, yamas so without violence with truthfulness and without stealing in a way not cheating so you keep it with your relation with your partner 
and you try not to overcome the line, let's say. Yeah. Um, and then we have the last one is aparigraha. Uh, no acquisition or desire to acquire. And I guess I, I just said that maybe the no sex is the most difficult, but no acquisition or desire to acquire is also probably just as difficult. And this emphasizes again that this is a, this Ashtanga Yoga is a path for ascetics. But again, this can also be like understood in a in an essentialist way that no no unnecessary acquisition or desire to acquire unnecessary things like obviously the things you need for your practice you can have and this is not like saying like as a law like trying to impose on you that you can't have things or desire to have things but since this path is about realizing your uh, inner self which is non-material if you are too attached to material things and that is the that is like hard to align with this like main priority of self-realization yeah and of course as we are not ascetic that doesn't mean that we should ignore those principles we should understand what is behind those principles and trying to adapt them in our life to reach a level of truthfulness and honesty within ourselves and um and of course, do some introspection and um, and integrate them more and more. Yeah, like in an organic way. Like if, like if we if we actually have the desire for self realization, it, it is going to be natural that we yeah. we integrate these principles more and more. Yeah, if you think about them very generally, like in a generic way, they are very basic. Like if you do violence you go to jail if you like when you are in court you have to uh, swear to god that you're gonna say only the truth because that's very important and if you don't say then you're gonna go to jail and not stealing say itself no sex again if it's not consensual well you can go to jail also for that so there are a sort of basic principle like in in life in general the point is where you draw the line where it becomes too much or enough yeah so so yeah so, so like it it seems that these things can be uh these like ideals can be pursued uh even in a non-ascetic setting as you say and uh, like the commentators kind of say to have one thing in place and then go on to, to the next. Uh, but if if we would have to follow that, then we couldn't, you know, do asanas at all until we are accomplished in all these other steps. But I believe rather that you will not really get out of asana as much as you could if you followed all these prior steps. There is like, there is a, a further depth to asana that will be gained by working on, on these preliminary principles. But of course, one can still do basic asanas. I mean, 
the way asana is defined in the yoga sutras is to sit steadily and comfortable and of course we have to sit steadily and comfortable even if we are not accomplished uh, celibate monks but yeah there is there there are ways to enrich that asana experience yeah and of course they help each other out like doing asana properly help like create a sort of inner balance that will bring you into more clear thoughts that will bring you to follow these principles more easily and if you follow this principle more easily then you're gonna get to inner balance so the to do the asanas is gonna be easier so it's a catch-22 a good one <laughs> yeah it's like the reverse of catch-22 yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, i gotta google what that would be called yeah so next we're gonna speak about the niyamas yes um so patanjali he lists the niyamas and then he discusses uh, the yamas and niyamas together so that will be in the next episode Thank you and see you next time. Bye. I hope this episode fulfilled its purpose of inspiring you. If you liked it, feel free to share it, leave a comment or a rating. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me directly.